This is Dominique Beaumonte, and you're listening to Season with Salt, the podcast, episode 47. So it is September 30th, 2020, and we are just one day away from the greatest month uh, in the universe, and that is the month of October. And the month of October, in particular in 2020, um, I had the great privilege of celebrating my 40th birthday, which is um, crazy, right? Uh, Figuring out um, what I will do, how I will celebrate. Um, But I'll tell you that um, one of the things that I've been most reflective about is where I am in life. Uh, and I'm sort of beyond that stage where I'm critical of the positions that I'm in, um, in the sense that I believe that everything that I am, everything that I've become, um, it is because of God's grace. And so I honor his grace and his mercy in my life by not uh, living in the past, by not being um, a one who regrets, and certainly by not comparing myself to other people, because I realized that everybody has their own path to walk. Um, but in this season, especially in a year where we have experienced uh, so much crisis, whether it be through the pandemic or um, racial crisis, um, just culturally and socially, there is just so much going on. And um, in trying to think about my own life, um, I can't help but to think about like how much grace God has extended to me in particular to be living and leading and loving in this season. And I want to just thank God for um, this. And, And one of the lessons that 2020 has taught me is that we can't take any season for granted. Uh, I'm a book, big um, football lover, and particularly college football. Um, and I, I was at the University of Oregon, and I really loved football while I was there. I loved going to the games. I loved the energy. I loved that we didn't really lose home games. And after I graduated, it seemed like the team kind of like fell off a little bit. And somebody um, was, I was in an argument with somebody, probably somebody from USC, because people from USC, like, they just like to argue because they feel like their heyday is like the best heyday ever. But anyway, somebody from USC was telling me about how, like, you know, Oregon had like these really bad, bad seasons that helped them to like get to the place where they were national championship contenders and that we should just like brush off those seasons that weren't successful because of the successful seasons that we had. And I was like, no, like we really needed those seasons. Like we needed those seasons to build character. We needed those seasons to find out who we were. We needed those seasons to understand what we were made of. Um, and one of the most remarkable things uh, during this, that those seasons where we weren't good is that there were people on those successful teams that actually experienced what it was like to be on the unsuccessful team. And sometimes you have to experience like difficulty in order to really value success, right? And that's a little bit about what, that's a little bit of um, what I really want to 
um, talk about today is the value of success. I think there is this misconception about success. A lot of times we feel like um, people who are successful like have experienced no conflict or there um, it's just success after success after success. Um, and the reality is, is that successful people don't have a lot of time to be laboring on the past. And so there are successful people who have had really tumultuous background experiences and they don't talk about it a lot, right? Because, um, you know, I could spend time talking about like the, the, the days that um, I was depressed and the days that I didn't know if I was going to make it, or I can tell you about how I got success and, you know, all that God has done for me to get to this place. So we don't often hear the stories of people um, on their journeys towards success and on their journeys towards walking in their purpose. And because we don't hear that, we are, we are a nation, we're a people, we're, there are generations of people who expect success, but they don't expect difficulty because in their eyes, all of their role models, all of the people who have been successful haven't had a bad experience. And that's just not true. So um, I did do an episode that kind of talked about my life and how I got to college and such. But I, 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 I wanted to, rather than to talk about myself, I wanted, I was thinking a little bit about um, David in the Bible. I was reading in First Samuel about how um, David, you know the story about David, but I'll just tell you just a few things. David was Jesse's son. He was a shepherd boy. Um, and he, um, in his role as a shepherd boy, took care of the sheep. Um, God um, had ordained uh, and purposed for David to be king at a very young age. His father could not see that in him. And when the prophet came to say, I'm coming to anoint one of your sons to be king, Jesse was like, well, I got this son and I got this son and I got this son and I got this son. And, and the prophet was like, no, uh, <laughs> there's the, you must have another son. And that was David. We know um, that David um, came from being a shepherd to um, becoming um, uh, the one who um, would defeat Goliath with a few stones, the giant Goliath. Uh, but one of the most interesting stories, the most interesting experiences and the most like genuine way to really understand David's rise is to understand his relationship with King Saul. So when he um, went up against Goliath, Saul was king. And of course, the, the stature and the nature and the build and the warrior-esque presentation of Goliath um, meant that there were many who were afraid and did not um, feel comfortable going up against him. And so it was through David's bravery that he was best um, positioned to get the attention of the king. And the king saw, even asked him, like, do you want to wear um, the, the the, the battle gear that I wear um, as you go up against him. And David was like, no, I got all I need. And so David, he defeats um, uh, Goliath. 
And the Bible tells us that in his defeat of Goliath, the people write a song and they're like, you know, David, you know, it's, he, he killed more people than Saul killed, Saul the king. And so even though um, David um, had done essentially the king a favor, had, had protected and had stood in the gap uh, for King Saul, um, Saul became very intimidated by David. Um, and that interaction, um, the people's perception of David, David's success led to a life of conflict between a person that he once served, a person that he um, was brave enough to protect and to care for. And so David lived his life, essentially, although God had anointed him to be king, he lived his life fighting against the king. And it's ironic to me that um, David's entire um life, um, he was defending um, his honor. And all he had really done was serve and be available and be brave and do the right thing um, given his capacity. And he would experience such great success because of those actions that he took because he was in the right place at the right time. But still, um, it, it would cause so much conflict for him. And so I'm reading in the Bible and I see that there's this one time where um, David is, um, this is about 1 Samuel, the sixth chapter, if you're going to go and read the Bible, but David is like in this, I mean, it, it, just imagine like this, uh, in a, a picture, a movie where um, David, uh, Saul is the protagonist and David is like running from him and there he's running from cave to cave, protecting himself from Saul, but in this bitter war with him. And, and David gets this idea that like, okay, the Philistines don't get along with Saul. So if I go to the camp of the Philistines, that's one place that Saul's definitely not going to come. Like he's not going to roll up on the enemy's camp to get an enemy. And so like, cause he, he, that's, that's double war, right? That's double folks like chasing you. So, so David has this brilliant idea. I'm going to go hang out with the Philistines and I'll be double protected over there because Saul's not going to come and mess with two enemies at once. I'm protected there. So he goes there. The Bible says he goes there and he gets to Gath. Um, and, and, and while he's there, like people recognize him. They're like, wait, they, they you got, it's a whole song about you. Like you're the guy that, that, that killed 10,000. And, and, and saw the king, he killed a couple hundred. Like you are the guy that has all this notoriety because of your success and your faithfulness and your and, and your commitment. And like David was like, wait, I didn't really come here to be recognized. I came here to hide, right? Like I came here to not be seen. I came here to figure out how I could just for a second just get a breather from this back and forth with Saul. And 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 David realized that he was in a bad position because to the people in Gath, to the Philistines, they were like, okay, you pose a national threat to us because we're already enemies of Saul. But the fact that an enemy of Saul is amongst the camp, that means that, like, you pose an additional threat to our people. Like, you're a national security threat. And so David is like, wait, man, here I am in this, in, in this, in this situation again. And so the Bible says that David goes crazy and starts slobbering at the mouth and just, like, really going crazy because the people take him to the king and they're like, man, we got we to gotta figure out what to do with David. The king is like, are you guys sure this is the... The, the David, because he's slobbering at the mouth and going crazy. And all this time, David is just 
acting because he's got to figure out a way um, to get out of the situation that he's in. But I love this story because seemingly it's just another sort of um, escapade that David is in. But what it provides for us is this picture of how sometimes success can haunt you. Like sometimes the the things that are that you list on your resume can be the very things that intimidate people, that make people feel uncomfortable. That you're you're really qualified for that job. And then somebody who is reviewing the resume um, didn't go to the school that you went to. And so they become intimidated. Somebody who's reading that resume um, didn't come from the family that you're a part of. And then they associate all these things that you did just because you had to do them, just because you wanted to do them, just because they were assigned to you. They associate that with you being better or bigger or badder. And then you become a risk or a threat to them. And so one of the things that we cannot do is we cannot allow those that are threatened by us to dictate how we proceed, right? And a lot of times, like people, they're not really against us. They're against the, the favor that of God that they see on our life. And we have to learn um, how to really disaggregate that because we cannot assume that like people hate us. Some people can't hate you because you haven't even done anything to them, but they hate the promise and the God that is in your life. And so how do we respond? We don't respond in a way that would alienate ourselves from people. One of the problems that I think sometimes we have, those of us that are successful, is that we go into this space where everybody is a hater. Oh, they're hating on me. Oh, they're hating on me. Some people aren't necessarily hating on you. They just don't know how to coexist with you. They don't know how to coexist with your success because they have never been taught how to categorize what you have experienced versus what they have experienced. And so we have to be careful not to rush and put everybody in the hater category because they don't know how to how to manage our success. So the Philistines and the folks in Gath, they didn't really know what to do with David's success. They thought of it as a threat. They thought of it as a situation that might make things worse for them. And so they decided to tie David up and David had to find a way um, to get out of that. And that experience that David had has in Gath is just one more notch in his belt, one more experience where he had to be innovative to get out of a situation that his success landed him in. And we can't... I think that one of the key messages that I think that the Lord was really dealing in my heart with is that we can't quit when we get to Gath, right? We can't quit when it seems like uh, the things that are supposed to be positive are always intimidating other people. We can't be discouraged to the point where we stop trying to live our life and to walk on our path. People will discourage you. People will make you feel unworthy. People will make the, the positive things that you have 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 experienced in life seem really stupid and 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 dumb and small because that's all that they know how to do and so the 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 what 
what David teaches us is that you cannot, um, you're not always going to be able to escape the things that intimidate other people, but you will be able to find a way out of that so that you can get to the next chapter of your life. And so you can't quit. You can't be so overwhelmed by other people's perspectives on your success, by other people's perspectives on what you have experienced. You can't allow other people to manipulate your success to being something that it is not, right? And that it, it's a key lesson, right? It, it, it's easier said than done, right? Because um, I, if I speak from my own experience, like there's some things I, I, I identify with David, right? I identify with David so much, especially in early in so many parts of his life, because I really am thinking like I am a foster kid, like from Seattle, right? And and I don't really always have time to tell that story or to to to, to remind people that that I come from humble beginnings. I really don't have that time. What generally happens is that people get so intimidated by my success, what they see me doing, who they believe favors me that they um they're under the impression that like I've been walking and living life with a silver spoon and that's not really um the case the thing that I identify with most from David is that he was just available he was he was available as a shepherd boy to take on uh, uh Goliath he was available um to play the heart for a mentally disabled king he was just available and it's his availability that that got him in the most trouble. And so we cannot be discouraged by the fact that people are intimidated by our availability. There are people, y'all, y'all, there are people who do not want to do it. But as soon as you do it, then all of a sudden it becomes a problem. They just try to show off. They just try to be the favorite. They just try to be in such and such's face. They don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. They will tell you with their own mouth, I do not want to do it. But the moment that you do it, they connect your doing it with something that they could have also experienced had they did it. And so we can't be intimidated by people who made themselves unavailable because we were available, some of the greatest victories and, 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 and favor that we will experience in life comes as a result of just being available, right? And if you are, you do not have to um, allow yourself, and I'll be honest, I will beat myself up because I'm so concerned about how other people interpret my availability. Do you guys hear me? I hope that whoever this is for is still listening to this podcast 17 minutes in. People will try to make you feel bad about what you have made yourself available for. They will misconstrue that. They will make your availability be like you trying to be better than other people. They will make your availability seem like it's something that you are doing to intentionally like swipe, swipe other people. They will say you're trying to be the new supervisor. They will say you're trying to be the pastor. They will say you're trying to be mom's favorite child. They will go through a litany of things to make you feel insignificant. And one of the things that we often do, and I'm very guilty of this, is say to ourselves, 
ourselves, well, I'm good. I'm not, I was, I, I didn't mean that. I, that. That's not my fault. And we began to make excuses for the fact that we availed ourselves. And you know what? You don't have to do that anymore. That's one of the lessons that 2020 has taught me, that I don't have to ask for forgiveness from people who ain't doing nothing because they are intimidated by the fact that I'm available. David was just available. His availability haunted him. His availability on the same token caused him to experience some of the greatest successes in his life because he was willing to skin in the gap. He was willing to raise his hand and say, yes, I will do it if nobody else will do it. He was willing to say, God, whatever it is that you want me to do, I will do. The greatest lesson, the greatest lesson that we can learn from David. David was anointed to be king, but he did not walk in his full kingship until many years later. There were things that he had to endure. There were things that he had to go through in order to walk fully in what God intended for him to be. Listen, you might not have all the clients today. You might not have all the friends today. You might not have all the members today. You might not have all the, the catalog of sermons today. You might not have everything that you need today, but every step that you take towards that is a notch in your belt. It is God giving you that stepping stone to go to the next level. And sometimes those stepping stones are going to be very, very, very small steps. But if you're like me, you're in this space of observation and, 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 and trying to get clarity in life. And God is just beginning to reveal that the things that I thought were the worst parts of my life are becoming, in hindsight, the best parts of my life. Because they were the things that are that books and movies and, and sermons and, and friendships are made of because I was able to experience something that other people had never been able to experience. And it didn't feel good then, but it feels good now to know that God took me through that because of purpose and on purpose. And so, saints of God, friends, if you ain't a saint of God, whoever you are, I just want to let you know that you cannot be discouraged by what other people think about your success. You got to be uh, strong and you can't be weary uh, in doing good because of other people's intimidation because of your availability. You got to keep going. And I think that that's the message that David uh, teaches us. And I hope that something that I said um, encouraged you. I want to pray because, you know, I feel like if you're listening to this podcast still, um, you know, there's a reason why you're still listening. And I want to pray for you. Father God, the person that is listening to this podcast still, God, I pray that their heart is encouraged. I pray, God, that you are revealed to them in their reflection, God, all the things that you are doing. I pray, God, that they would not be weary in well-doing because of those that are intimidated by their availability. I pray that you would strengthen them. I pray that you would give them direction. I pray that you would give them clarity on what you have called them to do, Father. I pray, God, that they would lead from this listening, God, and that they would think about all the goodness, all the mercy, all the grace that you have extended towards them, Father, and that they would walk in it and that they would tell others unapologetically. I thank you, O oh God, for your word. I thank you, O oh God, for clarity. I thank you, O oh God, for strength. In Jesus' name, amen.